All right, welcome back to another playlist edition of the podcast today. We are talking with Alan Blanchard about new tracks from what month? It's June now, so these are from May 2019. Now, big month, a lot of artists who are getting ready for summer touring, releasing albums. And uh, thanks for putting this together, Alan. Yeah, of course. I mean, like you said, there's a, a lot of albums coming out by a lot of uh, big names this past month. Yeah, I doubt you could even get to them all here on this on this uh, playlist. And I think there's more even out in June, too, starting to blur together what months, what records are coming out. But uh, there's a lot of really good stuff on here. What did you notice uh, about stuff that came out in May? Um, It was a lot of the... Yeah, like kind of like you said, like a lot of the names, and especially the people that were on the records were a lot of the large names. Um, it, you know, also starting to see like some singles coming out of albums that were released, like you saying, like blurring the lines, like right at the start of June. Um, and just kind of everyone getting ready for the summer coming up. Yeah, summer jazz festival season in the states and in Europe and Canada, and you know all those great festivals. At the end of June in Canada, for, for real, there's really great festivals there. I, I, I completely believe there. you. It's just like, you know, I would have never um, thought of it. I just, you know, just like, here you go. Here's a record. I never think of like when's appropriate necessarily to release a record leading up to something like that, you know? Ah, I understand. No, but I mean, a lot of the big name artists, they want to sell CDs at festivals and the labels, you know, they figured out. That's when they sell CDs, so. Right, right. That's, that's why these are all coming out now. Anyway, uh, let's jump right into the playlist here. We got 10 tracks for May. Obviously, these are not in ranked order in terms of are they the best, but they are just a kind of in an order. And, uh, we're gonna start with number 10 for this month, Ari Honig. Yeah, so Ari Honig put out this material record called, uh, Connor's Day. Um, which features like a, a mix of standards and, and, and originals. And I don't know. I've always been uh, a huge fan of Trio Records because I feel like, and we've talked about it before, there's a lot more um, ebb and flow of what the band can usually do. Or maybe it's a little bit easier for them to do that um, than, you know, if you have a full big band, of course. Um, so it, it helps gives a lot of ideas for, for new things to do or, or new things to include in your own compositions or, or approaches and stuff. And so the tune I picked was this killing version of all the things you are that they did. Um, that definitely gets, uh, has, you know, a little modern feel over it, even like a, almost a, a backbeat kind of inspired groove to it. Um, but definitely would recommend the entire album. I mean, they go through, they do like Prelude to a Kiss, um, All of You in the Wee Small Hours of the Morning, um, and a bunch of other stuff like Connor's Day kind of bookends the, the record with it opening it and then, uh, or prize at the end and whatnot. So I think people will really enjoy it, especially if you're into, you know, the bad plus or, or some of these more, uh, modern, uh, trios. Sure. Yeah. And, um, this, I think, yeah, it is just looking at the personnel, it's like his working trio. They've been on the road for weeks and weeks, a lot of, a lot of the year, you know, um, for Bearcat, the bass player pretty well. And he's like pretty much always out on the road either with Ari or, or his own project, but um, I can only, I haven't gotten a chance to check this record out, but I really like the cover art. It's actually pretty cool. Yeah. It kind of reminded me it? of like a, um, 
like like the art that you'd see maybe on um um uh, like Cartoon Network or something. Yeah, it's got like a it's got a cartoony comic kind of vibe. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Which is gonna be nuts if I was hand drawn, man. Uh, that's that's incredible. It's gotta be, right? Yeah, I think so. I mean, people are good at doing things. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, people can draw <laughs> just like you can play the trumpet. <laughs> yeah, no, they can they can draw really well. Dang. <laughs> All right, moving on to number nine. Uh, it was an unexpected addition. I was surprised to see, not that these people play together, but just. I didn't know this came out. Uh, so tell us about this this record and this track. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm kind of in the same boat that you are. Um, you know, every time that we go around to make one of these, uh, I'll do just some Googling and whatnot to try and make sure that I'm at least uh, opening my uh, perspective a little bit <laughs> to the other um, records that are out there that I might have not easily come in touch with. And I've come across this one that has uh, Jerry Braganzi and Alex Sipiagin on it. So I uh, definitely gave that one a listen. And it's... Uh, okay, well, yeah, because you wanted to listen to Alex Sipiagin. You're ex- <laughs> very to write about that. Uh, and it's Andy Laverne's uh, new record, uh, Shang- Shangri-La. I think that's how we're going to do it. Shangri-La. Shangri-La. Yeah. Um, and it's just... Yeah. You, you know, there's really not much more to say about it than that. Like you said, it's a killing band put together. Of uh, Andy Laverne, Alex Sipiagin, Jerry Berganzi, Mike Richmond, and Jason Timon. I think Timon. Um, yeah, Timon. Yeah, and it, it's it's just killing. They go through a bunch of different stuff. I chose the title track, or not the title track, Blue Strain off of it, where it kind of is like a really messed up blues in in some respect. Um, but it's you know it's a bunch of originals on the record, a bunch of phenomenal souls, great playing, and it's just a great quintet getting together and making good music. There's not much more, you know, else to it. I haven't found uh, if there was a specific, like, uh, a focus behind the record or, or something in that regard. Um, but, you know, I uh, think people will enjoy know. it. It's a steeplechase. It's a, you know, steeplechase record. Usually they just have people come in and play tunes and go from there. Oh, see, that's not even things I would know about. As opposed to a more conceptual Right, right. I mean, if you just go look through the history of, you know, Steeplechase Records, that's kind of the vibe there. That you know, I think it's European label, Dutch maybe, Denmark. They uh, just come in and make make records and play tunes. Yeah, but it's killer. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely definitely some good playing. Like, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. Yeah. So, do you know Shangri-La? Has you not heard that term before, or have you heard? That? I feel like I have, like in in movies before, um, but it's not something that okay. I'm like yeah. extremely. It's I think it's like uh, like a like a fantasy, like um um like like the dream place you would like to be, or something like a, like a utopia type idea. Right. Right. Yep. Definitely. Yep. That's it. But it's like the lost city, like in the in Tibet. It's like the same kind of vibe as like uh what are the what's the one that's supposed to be under the water? Uh I can't remember. Oh, shit. Uh Atlantis? I have no idea. Atlantis, right. It's like that, except Gotcha. In but in Tibet. In Tibet. Or in the in the Himalayan mountains, I guess technically. Not necessarily Tibet specifically. Anyway, <laughs> let's move on here. I am just demonstrating how nerdy I really am. Here. No, hey, I respect it, man. These are things uh, that we should know. 
Uh, we're going to go now to great pianist, great big band, great arranger, all together. Wow. Uh, Fred Hirsch, Vince Mendoza, and the WDR big band. Yeah. Um, this is just another one of those where, like, when you see something like this coming out, I feel like no matter who you are, you just got to give it a listen. Um, the WDR big band is, is incredible. Uh, I love listening to, to their stuff and whatnot that, you know, they're all, they're very, um, detailed oriented big band, not saying that other great big bands are not by any means. Um, but always have great recordings and interesting arrangements. So seeing, you know, Vince Mendoza coming out and doing arrangements and then that it features the pianist Fred Hirsch. Um, you know, it's just something that I had to give a listen to and they just released a single, um, being begin or I did the big easy. There's another one that they put out, uh, begin again, leading up to this record that they're doing. Um, and this one's kind of starts off. It's, um, I don't know, an easy, slower swing, um, whatnot, but it's, it goes through the entire band and, and there's great solos from trumpets, trombones on it, even, uh, I don't know. It's, hey, it's, hey. <laughs> I mean, look, it's just a great record. And I, I, this is a really interesting band, I feel, because it's, you know, it's European and all that. And like, you get to see what a band like this that is, that is in residency like that. And like, they just get to play all these new arrangements, all this new music go through. But you, I never get bored of hearing all the new stuff that they put out. So very much looking forward to the, uh, to the record coming out. Yeah. I mean, I can imagine that they can be detail oriented because they, you know, they play together every day. Right. And they get paid just like a, like an orchestra, you know? Right, right, right. Not many of those opportunities in the world. So great band. Right. And great actually, band. it looks like they the did, record. Uh, did you... Go ahead. No, I was going to say, did you hear the last? Well, not, the... I don't know if the last one, but they put one out with Marshall Jokes last, last year or two years ago. Did you hear uh, that one? Is that the, uh, no, I would have to figure out which one it is. Well, anyway, so they, it seems like they're getting into a habit of doing these like guest artists, big guest artists with the WDR band projects, which is pretty cool. Yeah. And it looks like this record then came out again, blurring that line. Like we were talking about literally, uh, let's see what 11 days ago, week and a half ago on June 7th. Oh, okay. And then we put this together. For the for May, so yeah, it's already yeah. out. People you can go and <laughs> check it out. But again, we're talking about May 2019 releases. We're a little bit behind this month. We've both been uh, a little bit crazy busy running around. But uh, let's keep going here to number. I think this is number seven. Yeah, number seven. Uh, great tenor player, uh, great young tenor player, Melissa Aldana. Yeah, and um. Yeah, I will be completely honest. I have not listened to Melissa Adnan's stuff a lot. Um, okay. And this was kind of something that uh, someone had introduced me to that it was coming out. Um, and so I put it on. I was listening to it. And it's like you said, it's incredible. It's um, it's a great band. And she has just a way of, you know, being able to like uh, go in and out of it, whether it's like floating on top of it or, or going in between it. Um, this album, though, Visions is... So, you know, there's like some ballads on it and whatnot, but it's, it's kind of a, uh, an attribute to like her heritage in, uh, South America. So that was kind of cool to hear like the influences throughout it. Yeah. Um, and whatnot. And it was cool to kind of see how this has grown because, uh, you know, her winning the, the monk competition back in 2013, um, and just seeing, 
where where it's taken her and where herself has you know after being put in a spot like that like how she's grown and how that's influenced her her playing and whatnot so um it's killing she has people on here like uh joel ross on vibe sam harris on piano uh pablo Mineras on bass and this drummer uh tommy crane and all of them except like two of the tunes uh she composed them so they're heavily uh you know original music and whatnot um it just yeah it's it's really good <laughs> it kind of reminds me of like uh <laughs> eric dolphy's band type vibe a little bit maybe like when uh bobby hutchison was playing with them uh uh-huh. why was that i don't know maybe because i was just listening to that a uh, record of that recently that could easily be it i see <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it's, it's an incredible record, man. Uh, I think people will really enjoy that are, that are, uh, want to see like, you know, another great saxophone player out nowadays. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. She's, she's really great. Uh, I'm sure busy touring this summer as well. Uh, speaking of really great, Linda O, one of the best bass players for sure. Uh, and her, is this a sing, is this a single or is that record out now? Um, that record is out. That record is out. So I picked this tune off her record, uh, in, in the tune is called Lilac Chaser, which was just very interesting to start off because it's, it starts off based around like this foundation of like a, uh, a bass pedal. And then it brings in all these strings and, and everything. Uh, supposedly, um, it's supposed to be inspired by this work of, uh, this pianist Andrew Hill with strings. And then about halfway through the track, it gets away from the the idea of like this bass pedal holding it together and settles into a groove and just grows to like this unbelievable like this place I would have never seen it starting off with. Um and, and it's kind of like a you know, I think certainly as I've gotten older and whatnot, my ear has been more open to this type of stuff because it, it go it gets very um uh, I don't know, freeze not the right word, but like very open in the sense of how stuff's doing. And you can kind of tell uh, in certain places, like what's holding it all together while everything else is being played around that a little bit. Um, but it's, it's phenomenal. You know, they have a, so Linda O is playing acoustic and electric bass. Greg Ward is on alto and soprano, Matt Mitchell on uh, piano, Chess Smith on drums and vibes. And then she has a, a string quartet and a vocal ensemble even on the record as well. Um, so it just covers like a bunch of different timbres and it's really interesting uh seeing even more and more of these projects where they're like uh blurring the lines almost between like you know what's classified as like classical music or what's classified as as jazz and and whatnot and just really being able to like hey I just want to make music and like let me combine whatever timbres and 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 uh ensembles that they want you know whatever they think will do the music the best yeah, I mean, I can only imagine. This has been on my list to get to, to listen to. I haven't gotten to listen to it quite yet, but um, I know her uh, her husband, Fabian Almazan, also has been writing for strings and stuff, so I'm sure that they're kind of exploring some ideas together on all this kind of stuff. But, you know, like Linda O played with Pat Metheny for a while. Right. And it's kind of like Which makes sense cause, center yeah. off into Because his thing was always like, a you know, a really big like production. You know, like thinking back to when he did right. uh, Minuano and like that whole, like that record still life, you know, that was a very big, like, it wasn't just like we're playing tunes. It was like this whole like soundscape of a, of a production bringing you through, you know? 
Yeah, I mean, he had he's got a lot of projects like that that are more than just tunes, compositions. Uh, what's the other one? The Way Up. Yeah. That whole rec that whole record is one long composition, I think. Well, and I think the we're starting record. to see like more, more of that. Like, Three parts. Right. Cause even Billy yeah. Childs is doing that with his group that has like, uh, that's, I don't know, foundation with like the harp and the, um, his chamber jazz ensemble or his chamber ensemble. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's, I mean, it's, people it's are trying to find more ways to explore. But uh, I, so do you know, you know about biophilia records? You know how they work? Do you know how they work? It's zero idea. Do you know? Well, so that's the re- that's the label that uh Linda's record came out on. Okay. And that's her husband's label, Fabian. And they um they don't print CDs. They have these really elaborate um packaging that's what do they call it? I forget what they call it, but it like it folds out into this really like giant poster, but they're like really beautifully designed and and really nice, but they don't print any CDs and it's like the whole thing is like an environmentally friendly uh eco-friendly the whole biodegradable paper and like all of that kind of stuff. So it's like a, it's a whole thing. It's a whole, uh, I don't know what you would call it, but, uh, anyway, it's super the, interesting. The biofolio so is a double sided 20 panel. Yeah. 20 panel origami inspired medium. There you go. That's incredible. So I don't know. Yeah. They're super cool. Um, but then like sometimes I've heard that some, Outlets complain about not having CDs, but I'm, I'm all for that. Nobody needs CDs anymore. <laughs> I still like, but you don't, you don't buy CDs I'm all anymore? For it. Nope. Not even of like the older <laughs> musicians at all? You're telling me like if you walked up and like you found like your favorite JJ CD, like you're not gonna buy it? I might buy it. Okay. You're, you're, I might buy it if I knew I couldn't find it anywhere else. Right, yeah. right. And there's some stuff that's not available for streaming. Maria Schneider's music, for example. Oh, yeah. We did talk about this, didn't we? That's true. You're right. If it's not available for streaming, then maybe I'll buy it. I'm not saying I won't buy CDs. I'm just saying that I don't think CDs are the future. CDs are the past. No, I mean, I, w- I, would, I would agree with, like, we're definitely, you know, as a whole moving away from that kind of uh, model. I mean, I don't even really, I don't really have a CD player. That's the thing. Yeah. Talk about the biggest frustration I, was the new Max and you have to buy a separate CD player. Right. Uh, I know. They're trying to, that's that technology driving the, driving the industry thing. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, this is a, it's off topic. <laughs> this is a topic for some other podcast, perhaps. Uh, let's keep moving. I can't get away from any. Playlist without having at least one trumpet band leader. I know I like to give you a hard time about this, but uh, Theo Croker. Yeah, so album. Theo Croker, new single, new new album, new album. Uh, Star People Nation, um, and this is kind of interesting because you're not wrong. I will definitely check out all trumpet player albums coming out. Um, but he got like a lot of um, uh, publicity with this. Like he was getting um features on Apple Music with interviews and whatnot. And like he's worked with uh, a lot of people that I don't think people realize. Like he worked with J. Cole, um, Dee Dee Bridgewater assisted on his last album in uh or on two thousand fourteen, sorry, on his album uh Afrophysist. And the two thousand sixteen he released a new album. Um 
but he does he does a lot you know he he d- plays the trumpet like keys drums synths uh percussion kalimba so like he certainly is taking kind of that role of maybe um like what a modern producer might be seen as in in like the pop world and whatnot yeah um and he worked with like this huge producer uh that you might know bob power on this record um who did like erica badu d'angelo a tribe called quest um, uh, okay and so he that's cool yeah 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 he did a lot and he did, definitely has like a um i don't know like a, i think a theme with all of his records you know like a, like a general focus point and so with this coming out like i learned that he spent a uh like seven years living in shanghai at first um yeah he's like a big star in china yeah he had like big like billboards and stuff like he's pretty famous there. yeah i i had no idea and so like he kind of describes this um this record as his like exploration of the everyday rituals of blackness um and he says it's like a self-reflective uh collection of like provocative and uh spiritual and creative experiences and and just figuring out how he can um speak to what he thinks of like a shared human existence and overall like it's a it's a phenomenal yeah. record you know it reminds, reminds me of a lot of like uh maybe like ambrose's type projects where they they kind of all bleed one into mm-hmm. a next um, but I think people will be a huge fan of it. All the tracks. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Yeah, I feel like he definitely has kind of like more of a hip-hop leaning than Ambrose. Yeah. But maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, no, no, I would agree with that. Like like certainly a little bit more of that like inspired in in his playing and whatnot, you know? Yeah. I guess I mean like like, like not commercial in a bad way, but just like more like commercial hip-hop than like Ambrose to me is like very like even though he has hip hop influences, it's very like art first kind of thing. Right, right, right. At least from my how I hear it. Uh, okay, so moving on, we're up to number four for this month, and this is uh, a group that I actually play in, the Anat Cohen Tentet. So let's hear what Alan has to say about the track. Uh, so this is a single that came out for the album that, uh, just came out, uh, what, like a couple of days ago, right? Yeah, on Friday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, so, um, I, I kept up with things, 14th or something like that. Um, so this single. Yeah, whatever Friday. There you go. Was. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, this single came out that was one of, uh, Nat's compositions, Footsteps and Smiles. Um, and I mean, I thought it was, I thought it was good. Like, I, I don't really care that you're on it. Like, that's cool and all, but <laughs> I just thought the track was good. Um, <laughs> perfect. <Good>. Yeah. <laughs> and it kind of, it, it settles more into a, um, it kind of reminds me of like a boogaloo type groove. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but man, what really sold me, it like, that's all cool and all, but what really sold me on it was like, I don't know, like two and a half minutes in when it kind of like everything, uh, breaks down and starts off with uh, Owen Solo, Owen Broder uh, on Barry Sachs. That was when I was uh, sold uh, beyond belief. But I don't know. I've always liked the band. Like it's a really interesting instrumentation, um, and that's always something that has like kept my interest. Mm-hmm. It's uh, yeah, it's trombone, trumpet, Barry Sax, cello, piano, bass, drums, slash accordion. Piano and guitar and vibes, percussion and clarinet. Yeah. Like, <laughs> okay. So we got sax, uh, trumpet, 
and trombone. Like, okay, that's cool. And then we added a cello. Like, like right there, like I'm already, cello, you know, yeah. interested from there. Especially going on a limb and saying that like cello may or may not have like the best range in color of like any of the string instruments. <laughs> oh, I think it's very, definitely has the, one of the biggest ranges in colors. It's like very, I don't know. I like, I like, it's like the tenor sax of the string world, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the same range as trombone and tenor sax. Yeah. So, um, but I don't know. I think it's, I think it's just like a very fun tune, uh, to listen to. And it's, you know, it, it, it goes places. It changes your mind. (laughs) Like it has stuff that's not necessarily, uh, what you would have expected to come out. And like hearing the, the different instruments, uh, interact is always, something I can certainly appreciate. And uh fun fact, and is also on the cover of Downbeat this month. So if you're a Downbeat uh, reader, you can find out more about this project if you like. So let's keep on moving uh, to Joel Ross. Joel Ross, great vibes player. Uh, tell us what you were thinking about on this, this track. Um, okay, cool. So <laughs> I would say I was relatively <laughs> um ignorant to modern uh, vibraphonists until uh meeting Jalen when I was in my masters. Um and so Who's Jalen? Oh, uh, yeah, right, right, right. Jalen Baker, uh this guy I did my masters with at Florida State. Uh he's doing great things, uh checking him out, playing with like Ulysses and, and whatnot, some uh ridiculous. But he was he started to, you know, introduce me to people other than like Bobby Hutchinson playing vibraphone. Um, mm-hmm. and so Joel, who's like 23, you know, and has a record out on Blue Note. So, uh, that's great. Um, makes this record and it's, it was just what caught me about this tune, man, was like how it starts off with like solo vibes and how like melodic bass it is, which I think is really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the fact that like, as a as a vibraphonist, you can you know you can accompany yourself, but there's only like a set amount of um, notes. Like I mean, there's a set amount of notes with piano, but like you have ten fingers, you know. <laughs> so at most, what they're playing is four right. mallets. Uh, and so I think that's it's like really interesting to hear like their 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 choice of notes, and and how they decide to to voice things and whatnot, especially with like um. I don't know. It definitely gives a very different uh, color than anything else. Right. And I've been very hip to that lately. But it, it's a phenomenal recommend. I mean, he's like ridiculous. I think he's already being like uh, referenced as like one of the best vibraphones ever. Um, That's what people are saying. That's true. Yeah. That's what they're saying. And so the, the uh, band has the, like... The record's called Kingmaker, right? Yeah. It's called Kingmaker, and like the. Have you seen the cover of it? I have. Okay. <laughs> well, to everyone else that hasn't seen the cover of it, <laughs> um, it's like this wall, and it, all it has is like this picture of him and his his uh his mother and and brother. I'm assuming. Um, and then underneath it, it has like like a little nameplate, like you would see maybe on a on a hotel or something that just says Kingmaker. Um, but yeah, it's it's nuts. It's great, great record. I would definitely recommend it to everyone. Um, and you know, definitely, he's another person that's like really try to incorporate what what he feels uh, 
what he in, enjoys and whatnot in the the music going on today with like hip hop and and pop music um, influences and the the grooves and whatnot throughout it. And like a killing band, you know, of uh, Emmanuel Wilkins on alto, uh, Jeremy Corrin on pianist, uh, Benjamin Tabrio, Ben Ben Terbert. How do you say it? Oh, Ben Tiberio. Tiberio. Is on the yeah, playing bass and uh, Jeremy yeah. Dutton playing drums. So, right. definitely. No, I was talking to somebody. I forget who I was talking to about this, but just that, like, a lot of people, if they were going to release their debut on Blue Note, might hire all, like, ringers, but that he actually hired all the cats that are actually in his band and play his music, which is, you know, nice that the label let him do that. It was so interesting, man. I was talking to um, a friend of mine about that here in Nashville. And like, I don't know, I've always, um, I've, and I'm sure you have too, because we've talked about this. I'm always under the impression, like if there's a band that you're regularly playing with and you guys are all making the music together, and then you go to record an album of that music, you would hire that band <laughs> to record that music with you. <laughs> but supposedly right. in like, especially in other genres, uh, not jazz, like that's not a thing. You hire all studio musicians to do it, right? Which I don't, I don't right. know. That, that that kind of like blows my mind. A pop scene. Yeah, it's just a different, different thing. It's not as, you know, like the jazz music is much more about like personalities interacting than a lot of other music. Right, right. But. um yeah, and so Ben Tiberio, the bassist, he's a, another Rochester person. His dad is a great um, music educator up there in Rochester. Your friend Ryan Vane would also know about uh, Yeah, 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 dad. no, he definitely uh, has told me about Ben a couple of times, man. Um, it's interesting yeah. that you reference uh, yeah, Rochester, yeah. knowing uh, your distaste for the uh, city. <laughs> My disdain for the cold winter. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway. Let's keep going. We got something by Rodney Whitaker here, great bassist and educator. Yeah, I mean, if we want to talk about like the who's who of who on a record, this record is probably the one. Um, man, so Rodney Whitaker puts out this new project, uh, yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And I found this honestly because I was like, man, when's Rodney Whitaker going to put out something new? And then I Googled it and I was like, oh, he just did. Great. Um, and you're <laughs> right. Time. And so like, man, Herlin Riley is playing drums first off. Uh, Rodney's on bass, obviously. Uh, Farad Barron on piano. Wessel Anderson on soprano on some of the tracks. Uh, Winton's playing trumpet on, on some of it. And Wyclef and Victor Goins. So he couldn't get anyone. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Right. Like I, just a bunch of these no names. Um, yeah. And man, I didn't like, I didn't know that listening to the record at first, but it is phenomenal. Um, huge fan of all of it. He does like a bunch of, um, he does some originals and whatnot. Um, and then he does some standards like, um, Mood Indigo and uh, some Joe Henderson compositions. And, and, um, yeah, it, it's just ridiculous, man. It's a killing album. Uh, and you know, when you have that kind of a band, like what else is it supposed to be? Then great, you know? Yeah, totally. It's the right cats. All the cats. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. There's like, there's really not much else to say. It's like, it's just a good band that they like, they play well together and then incredible solos. Um, 
I don't know. It's just always been interesting. And they have for a long yeah. time. Yeah, and it's it's interesting. Like when you see bass players put out a, a project because they definitely definitely take like different stances. Like there's some bass players uh, mm-hmm. that like you know like they can band lead and all, and then like they're very good at it, but they very avidly believe that like um, it's their job to to support everyone else. You know, so maybe they give other people their times to shine, and there's other people that that do it, and they're a little bit more. Um, present or a little bit more in the front side of the recording or something, you know? Uh, and it's just interesting to hear where right. different people and, and how they lie with that. So where would you say that Rodney lies with oh, that? Oh man, what a, <laughs> I think Rodney can do whatever Rodney wants to do. <laughs> um, I mean, he definitely <laughs> is like someone I would never say no to playing behind me and, and certainly would only make me sound better. Um, but I I think he finds That's a good true. way to um you know have his uh I don't know man it's just it's it's great <laughs> they've just been playing together for so long and they sound so good together <laughs> especially uh-huh. Herlin Riley like That's come true. on <laughs> yeah I know a huge you're a fan of Herlin Riley I know you're a big fan for good reason yeah he knows a couple of things um well but. Let's, uh, let's wrap this up. Let's get to number one on our list for this month. Uh, something completely different than yeah. the last one. Um, Brad Meldow's new record, Finding Gabriel, um, is not any, like, again, I, this might be my own ignorance. This is not anything I saw coming from Brad Meldow. Um, it's, it's, it's very interesting and a, a recording that I've grown to love. Um, where he experiments a lot with like, uh, electronics and different things. And like, it's, you know, there's a tons of like references to the Old Testament and other biblical concepts throughout the record. Uh, just looking at like all the different titles, but he experiments a lot here. Mm. Um, and, and he like even experiments with like hearing his own voice sung over specifically this track, the garden that I picked. Um, but then he adds in like Becca Stevens yeah. <laughs> and, uh, Gabriel Kahan, like over it as well. And, but they use it like not in the sense of lyrics, just in the yeah. sense of like the voice as like an instrument's own using, uh, like the syllable ah and whatnot. And, uh, like Mark, uh, Juliana playing drums and, and Ambrose right. coming in, um, who, you know, kind of like represents, uh, Gabriel, some would say throughout the entire record. Um. Oh yeah, I didn't yeah, know that. yeah. I've 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 read a couple things about like the concepts behind it because it, you know there's certainly like a lot of like biblical uh-huh. um nods throughout it. You know, uh, so, and he also go ahead. So I think it's. I was gonna say I think it's it's the band is like it's Brad obviously then and Mark Giuliano but then there's also like woodwind quintet out there or something. Yeah, right? like, there's also um. Kurt Elling is on here as well. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, right. I was going to say there's like a little Kurt Elling cameo. I was like, this is... when I yeah, heard Kurt it, I Elling's like, on here, so is, uh, Joel from, um, so yeah. yeah, I don't, I don't really know, man. It's just, it's, it's a phenomenal record. And like, it goes through so many different things that I would not have expected. Brad. Cause like my idea again of like, when I think Brad Maldow, like I think like the live in Marciac album or something. You know, um, sure. but then, 
Well, there was a whole record that him and Mark Giuliano did called, I think it's called Taming the Dragon. It's just duo, synthesizer, and drums, which is, I feel like this record is coming yeah. out of that project. I would definitely uh, agree with that a lot. And it's getting like a lot of, um, a lot of great reviews and went on about it. He also even used like this new instrument on here, um, which supposedly in- inspired him. Uh, oh, really? It's called the OB-6, which is a polyphonic analog synthesizer. <laughs> new okay, to so him. It's not a new Yeah, yeah new to him. At least. Um, new to him. But he yeah, also, yeah. Uh, it, that's interesting because it's not like he talks about how uh, some of that like in- influences or, um, Mimics like a theremin, <laughs> which is evidently an instrument that's like on a rise with many people. Okay. Um, I, I've seen more like? and more about like jazz theremin or like people posting videos of them playing theremin in the most recent uh, weeks. It's been ridiculous. Really? I have, I missed it. I've been totally well, clueless. You know, I just, okay, that's disappointing, Nick. How are you not hip to the jazz theremin movement? It is disappointing. It really is. I know. I missed um, it. I missed but yeah, it. this is, it's a great project uh, and it's a really, well, it's do? a really, uh, thought provoking record. Definitely. I definitely enjoyed it. Well, there you have it. 10 new tracks on our This Is Jazz Today playlist from May 2019. Uh, you can find that on Spotify. It has all of the playlists. Well, all the tracks in playlist from the beginning of the year, um, starting with January, February, March, April, May, and we'll be back in a couple of weeks talking about June releases. And uh, thanks again, Alan, for taking the time to check out what everyone's doing and kind of collect things together. Um, people can subscribe to the playlist on Spotify. That's where we keep it. Just go and search for This Is Jazz Today, Outside of Music. You probably don't even need to search outside of music. You just type in This Is Jazz Today, and you'll see the 2019 playlist. So thanks for being here, and uh, we'll be back in a couple weeks with the June releases.